0: Of the crowd in williams rice Stadium is second to nine. And The raid breaks out in Columbia. It is good. Gamecock fans welcome home. Let's see how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, Carolina! It's gone. Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe the Gamecocks it? have won this game?
1: Here are your hosts. JC Sherbert. I oh,
0: watch him
2: celebrate
1: now. Come on, My wife
3: doesn't like hanging around losers.
1: And Jamie Breath, I'm
3: telling you, you look like
2: you joined Brad's All
3: right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Cinerama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics, and of course built by the BarndoCo, the com, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or in Tennessee, that's where you want to go. It's the most unique house you've probably ever seen. We know they've been getting calls through our program. We certainly appreciate those of you whom have reached out thus far. The TheBarnDominiumCo.com is where you want to go if you want to build a house. Right now, South Carolina trying to get on the board in Hoover. It is tied in the top of the third inning with Jonathan French coming to the plate. A pitcher's duel thus far between the Aggies of Texas A&M and Carolina. JB, JC, and Phil will take you until uh, noon again today, uh, an hour-long, kind of in-depth type look at what's going on in Hoover. Latest projections are out. Uh, some of you have probably seen this. South Carolina, like I pretty much thought they would be, back in the hosting conversation and win today. Certainly, uh, will go a long way in pretty much locking that up uh, for Carolina to be playing next weekend at Founders Park in their home regional. Uh, a loss today will not eliminate them either. Other things going on the, on in college baseball that we'll mention here in just a little bit, not just in this tournament, uh, but also across the country, teams competing with the Gamecocks uh, to be a host. So, uh, But with that said, JC, and with that said, Phil, Justin Lampkin uh, looks pretty good early. He's got a good slider going for Texas A&M. and uh, And Jack Mahoney establishing fastball like he's done the last couple of weeks as well. And both of these guys uh, look like they're ready to roll early over there in Alabama. Yeah. yeah so so far,
1: far. Yeah. So far. So good though. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. But pitchers duel so far and Lampkin does look good for A&M tough day at the plate so far for the Gamecocks. But uh, <clears throat> look, this is a team that, that strikes out a lot anyway, and they've had good offensive days, Um, you know, putting it together uh, even with the strikeout. So uh, we'll see what happens. I, I think the Gamecocks just need to keep battling at the plate. Mahoney needs to continue to be dominant, which he's been his last two starts and looks good so far today. And, uh, you know, a ms last in the league in batting average. So, you know, after playing the probably the best-hitting team in the league yesterday, or the best-hitting team in the league yesterday, the Gamecocks uh, kind of are on the other end of it uh, this time. So hopefully uh, Carolina can pull it out. Like I said, and you mentioned JB, that'll go a long way towards – uh, solidifying that hosting spot.
3: Yeah, you know, and, and the kid that they're facing today, Lampkin, he's an 80-pitch guy. Um, I've seen him pitch. I've watched him pitch the last couple of weeks. He's got a really, really, really good slider. And um, he's generally – you're pro, generally not going to see him in the game much longer than about five innings. He's a he's a two- or three-time through-the-order type guy where they start to kind of get on him. Um, he'll start to lose a little velo and that slider will start to flatten out a little bit. So they've been using him really smart uh, the, as A&M has the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously today he's got that slider kind of going. Jonathan French just gave a 3-2 fastball ride, probably the second furthest ball he's hit this year, but it happened to be a dead center in Hoover. It would have been out of any ballpark in the league you know, with the exception of this one. Um, you know, But they want to continue to kind of try to work this kid's count and get him moving and try to get him him out of there. He's only given up nine hits, and now his last 21 and two-thirds innings pitched. I mean, he's been really good lately uh, for AM. but what I was kind of getting at with that slider, as good as it is, um, if he runs into some trouble as far as throwing strikes, which he will do from time to time, it'll come in spurts, because uh, he's a strike thrower. He's just one of those guys who can kind of freak out for a couple of batters then he might give up the big knock. And, and that's really – that's kind of South Carolina's M.O. as well. Um, so hopefully we'll see something like that here today. Uh, but um, as Carolina goes down here in the top of the third, you're you you're still kind of relying on the right arm of Jack Mahoney to to just continue to give you as much as he possibly can because they have to have a great pitching performance for them to really to have any chance not only to win the game but also – Uh, if they win the game to advance, have enough pitching to be able to do some damage with it in the next day or two.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, you still got Becker sitting there for, you know, it'll be LSU if they win today, LSU or Arkansas on tomorrow. And then uh, you win that one, you you get in the semis, and it's single elimination. I have no idea where they would go (laughs) at that point. Uh, But that's part of what gets fun about these big tournaments, man. You you end up having some unsung heroes uh, that that come in and pitch because the pitching gets thin. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to see sometimes like Jackson Phipps. I thought yesterday, I mean, uh, against LSU, you got to be realistic, you know, about how you pitch. I thought he he was solid. I mean, I I thought, uh, you know, to be a guy that has not pitched a lot to get into that situation, sure he gave up some runs and and all that. But I thought thought he's solid. Brett Thomas too, uh, to a certain extent. So, yeah. You know, we'll see what happens when when you get down uh, uh, to the nitty gritty. Uh, You know, I I think if you get to the semis, hell, you may as well win the thing. I mean, right? It's single elimination at that point. You're talking about two wins. But uh, if you
3: have any runs, uh, you're lucky.
2: Well, you got to say, Gamecocks are saving their runs up right now. So, I mean, yesterday and today, they've been saving those runs up. So uh, I I expect an offensive explosion uh, any minute now since they've got so much in the bank.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and look, here's the thing, too. You got to remember a couple of things here with what's going on with this team. Take your take your take. Go back to to uh, mid-April. Right. Go back to mid-April um, and and think of where they were and where they are now. So you've got uh, you, you thought at that point in time that you were going to be able to rely on a guy who they brought in to hit in the middle of the lineup this year in Caleb Denny. He's not in there. Right. Uh, Cole Messina isn't in the game today. He's in concussion protocol. We kind of discussed that yesterday when we saw him get clipped with that foul ball. Um, you've got Carson Horning, uh, who kind of went down, and now it's hard for, to get him back into the lineup because of the Wimmer situation. So, you know, Carson Horning, a guy that you were going to rely on to hit two seventy, two eighty plus this year, you know, he's not in the ball game. He's not able to hit for you. Um, and and you've you've got. Just some uh, – uh, Will McGillis, still out. You know, a guy who they brought in to hit 280-plus this year. He'd already had 10 home runs uh, when he was eliminated, you know. So you've been you, – you've really been scratching and trying to find any type of offense that you can outside of what Ethan Petrie has provided and certainly what uh, Messina has provided. Uh, Casas just hasn't been able to get it really going like he needs to. Thomas Leekroy is a guy who's hitting in the four spot today. Thomas Leekroy is not your four-hole hitter. So, you know, you're talking about really having to get some things working, you know, luckily almost in your favor and then kind of try to push the envelope from there to score runs. And, you know, there's still a part of Coach Kingston and Monty and this staff that, you know, they want to be very, very careful to make sure that they can have as many bullets in the gun as possible next week. You know, like, because they're already playing next week. But if you lose next week, it's over. And so they want to make sure that they've got enough bullets. That's why Messina in concussion protocol, they're going to be very, very, very uh, careful with him to not, you know, end up costing themselves the rest of the year without their starting catcher, which by the way, that's something that I've been paying a lot of attention to early on today with Jack and and, uh, Jonathan French back there um, as far as the comfort level to be able to throw off speed pitches in uh, fastball counts. If he needs to spike an 0-2 breaking ball, how much how much confidence does he have in his catcher to be able to make sure that that thing is squared up, angled up, and rolling back out towards the mound and those type things. So, you know, they're really doing their best to piece it together um, and uh, and hopefully this one today is able to kind of go in their favor and we'll see what happens with, with Messina tomorrow and, and that type stuff. But, um, yeah, it's a, yeah, JC, you know, offensively searching for answers in late may is su- certainly something that you don't ever want to be doing especially when you thought back in mid-april you were going to end up having one of the better lineups you've had in years here
2: yeah you just listed a bunch of guys that uh at the beginning of the year you know were were we really doing well and, and you know either have fallen off like is the case with with hornig uh or they've uh and Hornig was hurt for a while too, wasn't he? Yeah, he he was hurt yeah, oh, for yeah. a while. He yeah. yeah, uh, he's had a handing uh, situation.
3: Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And then McGillis obviously was a guy that uh was doing really well. Caleb Denny is not uh you know, he's kind of gotten lost a little bit. Uh so it's uh despite what of a uh, not having a good series against Auburn, you know. So uh we'll see. We'll see kind of what happens, um uh moving forward. I think uh you know, I think you got to re you got to refine the magic and um, look. No,
3: it's happened.
2: Right. You know, it, it, it's happened before to baseball teams. They they go up and down. I mean, even in the majors, you know, you, you look and you over 162 games. Teams suck for a while and then they come back. And uh, high school level, it's just the way the sport is. So you never want to get too high. You never want to get too low. And uh, just keep winning as much as you can. And playing with confidence, and I'm sure if they have a a regional at Founders Park next weekend, the crowd's going to show up. They're going to get behind this team. Uh, It is a brutally tough place to come in and and get a win. Um, And people can compare it to 2021 all they want, but I I still maintain that 2021 team basically, if you look at the lineup, it was Wes Clark or Josiah Seitler, and if those guys didn't get a hit, guys, you were definitely in like a two-to-one game. You know, that, that was just that that team Brady uh, I think it's not I think it's night and Brady. day different, you know, than um than uh than this team this year. So
3: Yeah, and, and don't forget Brady Allen too. I thought Brady Allen I t- I still think Brady Allen has a great chance to to get into yeah. the big leagues. Um so the newest projections are out as well. Uh by the way, uh runner on first after a perfect bunt for a hit for A and M uh with their three hole guys really nice one out. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, it was laid was laid absolutely down perfect. Um, and Mahoney trying to get a ground ball here and get a double play and and move right on out of this thing and into the fourth inning if we can. Perfect changeup as well. Last night, some things that mattered for Carolina. We know what happened in the SEC. By the way, it was a magical night in the SEC with a pair of walk-offs. Hard to believe what happened in the A&M-Arkansas game, and then, sweet Jesus, it was hard to believe when Florida hit a walk-off after after Bama hit a three-run homer to take the lead in the 11th. That was absolutely wild, but Bama losing – Uh, is something that I think a lot of people are looking at going, okay, well, that's really what's helping South Carolina. Could be. uh, They've got Auburn coming up today. Thus far, that is not what has helped the Gamecocks get back into the top 16. What has, though, is Oklahoma beating Oklahoma State, Texas Tech beating West Virginia, Kansas beating Texas. Okay, and then today you've got Kansas State and Texas, West Virginia – in Oklahoma State, one of them is 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 going to basically be eliminated from regional contention via that loss. And Auburn and Alabama, and if Auburn loses, then they're certainly going to be really on the threshold of this thing too. Um, Auburn uh, has been a team that has been projected to be in, and as of right now, there's a long run for Stoney. Can he get there? Wow! Oh, he dropped it. Holy smokes, uh, this is – Terrible radio, but that ball <laughs> was hammered. And if Stone would have even caught it, it would have been the play of the month. Mm. Oh my goodness! Wow. Wow. And now, of course, he's down. I mean, Carolina just just cannot get a break. A and M score
2: on that is that Make one nothing. Make yeah, nothing? one
3: nothing. Uh, ball was hit well in the right center field gap, and he ran into the wall with his shoulder. And he oh, certainly is favoring mm, it, so we'll have to man. just kind of see here. Uh,
1: Best
2: defensive outfielder they got. Just
1: now we, rolling along with this damn match unit anyway, but
3: my goodness. That's the last thing we so need. So he Bang. had the ball in his mm-hmm. – cl- he caught – had he had one extra step or half step, he would have held on to it. Mm. But you got to hold it on through contact. So we'll see. They're going to stretch him out and see what he looks like. But um, – so it's not really you know auburn is a team i think is firmly going to end up being in there um really no matter what happens they it could be could be some some noise as far as bumping them down a little bit and obviously south carolina can win but it's the rest of the teams that are at the end of this thing indiana state's back projected in there as a 16 seed i'm still confused as to why boston college is a projected 14 seed um doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, their road record is good at 18 and nine. Their RPI is good at 14. They only have 13 quad one wins uh, on the season. And it's not, I mean, they're seven and five in their last 12 games. You know, it's not like they're blowing the doors off of anything. And on top of that, their non conference strength of schedule is 200. So, I mean, there's some metrics that just don't look good. And it, 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 it almost feels just like kind of a tip of the cap type host situation just to get somebody different in there in a different part of the country. I don't know if that's going to hold or not. BC won the other day. They've got to play tomorrow, and we'll see what happens in that game. But it's really more this theory that's been going on for the last week, guys, about SEC teams battling with SEC teams. While there, there is truth in that, I don't think the committee is going to have any issues with putting eight teams in there to host out of the league because it seems like they're just going to deserve eight teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, and if you're deserving, they should just give it to them. It, 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 I don't understand why you would look Indiana for other reasons, you know. <laughs> hey,
2: uh, I'm selfishly, if uh, the Gamecocks get sent on the road, I'm selfishly hoping they go to Indiana State. Terre Haute, Indiana is uh, probably about a three-hour drive for me. So I would definitely be in there pulling against the sycamores. Like, Who is this guy with the chicken on his shirt? Oh, goodness, it's a guy with a beef sandwich in his hand.
0: <laughs>
2: Larry Bird would pimp slap me In the stands Yeah, was yeah, where I, I Larry Went to school, you know yeah, I think he still lives around there
3: Yeah, I think God, so just, He's from uh, French yeah, Lit yeah.
2: Uh, Chris Rock would have nothing on me Getting pimp slapped by Will Smith If Larry Bird pimp slapped me well, That would be true. awesome
3: uh, Stone mm-hmm. obviously staying in the game For those that uh, are are watching it Those that aren't, he is uh, he's okay So they're going to let him go here But Mahoney Uh, trying to make a big pitch and get out of this thing only down one, nothing uh, to A&M here in the bottom of the third.
2: People ask it in the chat box about Mike Williams being dropped. I don't, I don't have those details other than it was a conditional commitment to begin with. The conditions were not met. I don't know if it's grades or weight, or I don't know, but there were certain things given to him to, Hey, you got to get here by the end of the semester. I'm assuming that's grades. Uh, He just didn't make it. So, uh, not going to get too much into that, not going to address the Montague great Montague Rames rumors. Uh, yeah. You know, just not going to, not going to get into that today, but uh, yeah. And it's always okay to ask anything you want. I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, there's certain things I just don't want to get into right now, but I, I just want to throw that in since people, there are about four or five questions yeah. with that. Um, yeah. And no, Quantrail had nothing to do with the Michigan State bag. Uh, Carolina dropped him. I mean, that's, and they're, and, and it, it was something that, you know, they're not going to sit there and drop a kid at a school they keep getting a lot of players out of unless it's a situation where, you know, they they had to. So, um, and, it, you know, there is some spin sometimes. Oh, this yes. team dropped him, that team dropped him, but Very that's good. not, that's not what happened with Big Mike. So, um, that's uh, that's what the deal is there. So hopefully, you know, I like Mike Williams as a prospect. Wish him the best. Uh, but he won't be a Carolina. So I, I do think they'll be in the market for one more offensive lineman uh, in this class uh, because of that.
3: Jack Mahoney with a uh, perfect uh, change up there to end the inning on a ground ball to tip it. South Carolina down one as they head uh, to the top of the fourth inning here today. All right, uh, we do need to step aside for a quick break. Um, When we return, uh, there is some football stuff we certainly want to get into uh, with all of you. And then going back to yesterday, some things that happened in that LSU game that helped put South Carolina in the position that they're in now, uh, since we have not been on the air since then, we'll certainly get back into that as well. Gamecocks down one in Hoover, and we have plenty on the way right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston.
1: What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine
0: based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas.
1: In MLS two 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 nine L O N M L S one seven seven two one eight two.
3: Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the Lowcountry. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everyone, this is Jack Mahoney from Gamecock Baseball, and Inside the Gamecocks, the show is teed up every day by TravelingCountryClub.com, so if you all love golf, make sure you guys go check out their awesome membership options, and go cox.
0: Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with Browns played at Caledonia and True Blue golf courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to travelingcountryclub.com to register for that event, and it is not exclusive to TCC members. But to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, travelingcountryclub.com, travelingcountryclub.com. Proud partners of Inside the Game the show.
2: Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. First hour of the show, only hour of the show today, since they're playing the game, is sponsored by Cindy Searfoss and the Cobalt Banker Kane Realty Team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call, 864-414-5271, for all your upstate residential real estate needs. Still, South Carolina 0, Texas a one in the top of the fourth. Two amazing grabs in the outfield to rob the Gamecocks of hits here to start the fourth. Hmm.
3: Yeah, it's some a good, fr- I mean, good, frustrating game. You know, it some, really is. <laughs> well, there's good and bad in that. You know, you're you're yeah. okay. You're starting to square some things up, and they're they're attack, which is what I thought they we kind of mentioned this at the top of the show. You got to hit fastball. You got to try to attack early on a guy like this, and don't let him get into a count where he can really throw that slider. Um, that's good and bad. The good is when you can swing it, and the good things happen. The Bad is when they catch it, <laughs> like they have. <laughs> spectacularly twice in a row and his uh, pitch count stays where it where it does um so you know you you gotta and i see clint there in the chat box needs to get a quality ab Yeah, Costas is due i mean he's he's got to get going you know they 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 need him to to provide what he is there to provide you know if you want to strike out once or twice a game that's fine but you got to provide some power somewhere and uh, and you know, there's just a lazy fly ball from him to end the inning here in the top of the fourth, and that's what a lot of what he's been doing. You know, with that said, I mean he 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 got absolutely hosed yesterday, and that's really where the the that game totally changed in favor of of LSU. Had that not had that been ball four and walked in the fourth run, would that have guaranteed that Carolina was going to win? Of course not. They were still losing by two runs um you know they they might have not scored again they might have they might have had their brains beat in i don't I don't know what would have happened but it definitely took the opportunity away for them to have a big inning and guys we've been saying this all year long and, and you know you've seen it i've watched every game in this tournament and you're seeing it nonstop the umpiring is horrible it's, it's bad just, it's just, it's just bad yeah the the balls and strikes are absolutely terrible and and I I don't I don't know what the answer is, you know, because they've got they've gone to this uh, track man training program for calling balls and strikes. Umpires try to abide by that, uh, but at the same time, it is I think caused them to miss way more than they used to, and they're very egregious, and they seem to always be at inopportune times. I mean, like you you can't as an umpire you you cannot call a breaking ball letter high in a full count like it's the, that ball wasn't even close yesterday it wasn't even borderline it wasn't one of those and I'm a big like hey if it's close, you' better swing type guys yeah. like that that's my theory like I can't stand call third strikes Carolina's had a lot of them this year um but that that's not there's no reason to swing at a pitch like that he's six five and the ball was was over halfway up his torso. So it's not a strike. You know, and, and I, I'm not – I don't know what the answer is. But – and they had one on Wimmer, too, that, you know, he should have been in a 2-0 count, and it turned it to 1-1 one one yesterday. It was awful. It was above his letters. So I'm not exactly sure what the answer is going to be, but the SEC in the offseason, they got to figure it out because these guys just they're – not, they're not getting any better. And, and a lot of these calls are – are changing games and it's uh, it, coaches are you, unhappy.
2: You can't even question it. And you can't even, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like big brothers calling the game too. And then you got whoever's sitting in Birmingham uh, and they don't review balls and strikes obviously, but uh, you know, it's almost like, just let the umps go call the game. I don't mind having review on a, a safer out, you know, did he catch it? Did he not? Was it foul or fair? that kind of thing. But it's what the umps call balls and strikes, you know? I mean, that's part of the game is that different umpires have different interpretations, if you will. And if everybody tries to get on the same track and you're dealing with an unproven, to say the least, a piece of artificial intelligence, you know, I I don't know how that makes it any any better because, you know, the the human element of the game is part of the fun. But and I'd have no problem if the machine was extremely accurate, right? Uh, but it's not. You're like, oh, we well, only missed five. BS, according to what? The machine? Right. <laughs> By the way, there's a really good comic stretch, uh, comedy sketch called The Machine uh, with uh, the dude that he has a shirt off, Burt something. Anyway, check that out. I'll give you my little comedy recommendation there since I said, The Machine. It's the machine.
1: How well, well, you know, often do think- they get those metrics put for, in front of them? Like, how often are they made to look at that?
3: Well, so they get it uh, after each game. You know, they they can get Every their information. Game. Yeah. So, but and here's the thing, and, I, and JC just said something that I think is spot on too. You know, you've got the human element, right? And and one of the the greatest pastimes of the game of baseball is that you know you get to know umpires and whatever league you're in, whether whether you're playing high school baseball or college baseball or the big leagues, and you know. While most guys are going to have similar zones, of course, the strike zone is generally the strike zone, guys are going to be known for different things. This guy might call it more consistently at the top of the zone. So you know if he misses one here and there, it's probably going to be at the top of the zone. This guy might call a little bit more at the bottom of the zone. This guy might give the corners a little bit more, you know, whatever it is. So when you have one system that shows uh, exactly what the strike zone is, guys are still going to make mistakes to their tendencies. So, like, you know, if you have a guy who just loves to give the outside corner, uh, then whether it's right or left, it doesn't really matter. You know, he's going to probably be a little bit more liberal out there, but we we have been so trained and indoctrinated on what the strike zone is supposed to be based on a computer system. And same thing with these You know, a lot of these pitches that keep missing up. And there's some guys, I don't know if y'all remember this. Y'all remember about 10 years ago, uh, there was a big emphasis on expanding the strike zone. Do Y'all remember that? And just making it where it wasn't waist to kneecap. They wanted to go to the letters. Y'all remember that? Mm. It was a big thing in the big leagues, and then it kind of trickled down. And so then guys had to kind of adjust a little bit. So they had to be retrained. So then some guys you know, really kind of stopped giving that kneecap strike and really were more of a waste to chess guy. Okay, but now you've in, introduced Trackman, and so it's, it's brought in the bottom of the zone again or it's brought in the top the zone or whatever it is to whatever scenario you want to play with here. And And then when these guys miss, it's really, really egregious. I would not have had a problem with that strike call yesterday had he been calling that all day. You see what I'm saying?
1: So, yeah,
3: that that was always my metric
1: for, you know, what the umpire was like. I mean, maybe his zone was a little weird, but if it was weird the entire game, I was okay. Consistency. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that uh, it's awful to hear that they have to look at those numbers after every game. I mean, because they're always constantly in their heads. So they're always trying yeah. to, you know, tweak and improve. And they're not even consistent game to game. And it may actually be hurting them in the long run because it makes them look like they don't know what they're doing even further. Right. <laughs> not that I'm yeah, a big Blue I mean, fan like anyway, I, but at least, you know, be consistent. Yep.
2: Like, like I had, str- I, had tr- I played basketball. I struggled shooting free throws. Big surprise because I think I uh, freaked myself out a little bit with it. I would have probably freaked myself out even more if I'd had a computer telling me like I didn't have my elbow in the right place five different times when I shot a free throw and missed. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. I think sometimes you can overthink it. And, uh, you know, part of the art of the game, I mean, you know, sports is both artistry and engineering at the same time. Okay. Eric Kimry taught, taught me that about play calling. He said, you know, some people, some play callers are, Artists, some are engineers. Uh, I think that the, the artistic part of baseball uh, largely comes from the human element, and especially when we're talking about the umpires. Um, and uh, it's part of the scouting reports, like JB mentioned. It's it's part of the game, and so uh, you know, I I, I I'm, I'm with you. I, I get this tra- the trackman. You know, you could do you can, you can keep the data. And they talk about it in the offseason. But, you know, reviewing it after every game, I mean, that how, I don't know how you're supposed to get in the flow. And uh, I think it eliminates the artistic part of it. And then when you have a machine that's malfunctioning <laughs> or that's not always – that machine's inconsistent as well. I mean, it, it it makes for chaos and all that good stuff.
3: Yep, absolutely. Uh, by the way, Jack Mahoney with a, a couple of a leadoff walks, a pair of walks to lead off the inning. And then a uh, double down the left field line has plated one. So it's now two nothing. Matthew Becker is in the bullpen. JC, I texted with you about this, I think last night, um, that that would probably be my call as well is to, uh, you know, if you got to burn Becker today, burn him to get to tomorrow if that's what you feel like you need to do. So some trouble here in the bottom of the fourth for Jack Mahoney. Nobody out, runners on. Second and third, and um, Carolina's pinched the corners, but they're back in the middle, so they are going to allow a run with a ground ball. Um, but hopefully, he can get maybe a strikeout here and try to wiggle out of this thing. He's zero and two now on the Aggies uh, uh, eight-hole hitter, Brett Minick. So we'll kind of continue to monitor right. this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I, I don't. I just don't think it. Look, the computer system, and then we'll get off of this. But the the computer system, and there's that weak ground ball, so they'll give up a run. So it's three nothing in lieu of an out with a runner on third here uh, in the fourth. Um, the computer system is one thing, but it's one thing, and then you have all these other umpires that are themselves. So you know if we're never going to allow robots to call balls and strikes, which I think would be the end of the game of baseball, mm-hmm. then you need to figure out a way, a different way uh, to be able to teach, train, evaluate umpires. Um, yes. I'm not, ex- I'm not exactly sure that umpiring was in like, like it was broken. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that, I mean, there was always going to be bad calls. There was always going to be guys with, with different zones. I'm not exactly sure why baseball decided that the track man system was the thing that they need to squeeze every square peg into a round hole with. And I'm just, I don't know what they can do now to be a little bit more liberal with that, but that's where we are. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. You can. I
2: mean, earth. if it's
1: a bad decision, is a bad decision. A bad system is a bad system. It doesn't matter when you realize it, but if you do, you got to make your way out of it. But yeah. a lot of people, there's so much ego into that 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 probably went into installing that in the first place, and that's what you're really up against. It's not whether or not the system is good; it's whether or not the people who put the system in
3: place. You know, well, are, and, are and also being not wrong, being wrong. <laughs> Well, yeah, Phil, and also, though, like, if you want to use it four to nothing here a sack fly to to, uh, to left field, Um, if you want to use it to train umpires, that's fine. Okay, use it to train umpires. But I'm not exactly sure that it should be some major point of emphasis or data point to reward umpires because just because a guy maybe is – a 75 or 80% guy, or let's, let's, it's going to be higher than that. So let's go with a 97% guy when it comes to the track man system versus a guy who's 95.8%. How, how, how consistent was he? You, you see what I'm saying here? Like, yeah. Carolina yeah. out of the end and going to the top of the fifth. I mean, I'd rather have a guy who consistently gives an inch or two off the corner. And although by the track man system, it's not a strike we know that, that that's where he's going to call balls and strikes, okay? Like, I, I'd rather have that guy than the guy who's, who is doing everything he can to live within the system itself and then, and then will egregiously miss a terrible call and an inopportune time left and right. If you've been calling it all game, you've been calling it all game. And I think that, you know, maybe one day we get back there uh, maybe it's just a transition t- period right now as these guys continue to kind of learn themselves in conjunction with the training efforts, but but it's it's really affected the game. It's it's hurted, and I know that coaches and players aren't happy about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it
1: is, and it all goes back to that consistency. It's just it's just asinine, and and that, and I mean, if you're going to use it as a metric upon which you're going to judge these guys, then you shouldn't do it every game. You should do it at you know. I don't know, halfway through the season and then do it at the end of the season and say, you know, train them up in the off season with it. But
3: it just, I don't know, crazy. It is pretty crazy. There's no doubt. (laughs) All right. uh, We are teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. With the exception of the next couple of days, at least along the coast here, the weather is supposed to be heating up and looking good. Uh, In the coming weeks, if you want to play golf, you'll head to TravelingCountryClub.com and sign up right now. Today, become a member of the coolest club in the Carolinas where you can play up to 45 golf courses in both North and South Carolina for a very low monthly rate. And you play one round of golf and bam, it's paid for itself. I'm a member. Multiple friends of mine are members and people all over the place are members. Also at that website, TravelingCountryClub.com, you can sign up for the Plunder on Polly's coming up in Polly's Island in July. It's going to be probably the neatest tournament of the year with almost a $12,000 purse attached to it. If you win it, you're going to have a little cash for football season to spend whenever you go watch your Gamecocks play. TravelingCountryClub.com. All right, final break of the morning. Carolina at the plate here in the top of the fifth. We'll get back into that. And, uh, J.C., if you've got any stuff on the football front, Uh, from the 24-7 release earlier this week as well. Feel free to dish it out, my man, when we return right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
2: If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings. In my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Sierfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Coach Joe here, and when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning, it'll melt in your mouth, it's good on a cracker, it's good in a bowl, it's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com, it's mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tigers. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy?
1: Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests.
2: Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues. And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stoneblatton. Hey JC and Phil, if you want a
3: solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them stone's hit
0: This is Cole from the Cox Electric bikes at Charleston powers inside the Gamecocks, the show. Be sure to check them out online or in Mount Pleasant. Go Gamecocks!
1: Welcome back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks, the show. Presented to you, first hour, Cindy Searfoss, of course, and, well, we got a guy on base.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> tipped it. stung it well. Yeah. It almost Look been another great that. play there, and then uh, uh, really a good, a, a great call to try to drag bunt, or bunt for a base hit. Um, with a lefty at the plate and a lefty on the mound he's obviously going to fall off the other way. You get it down, it's a guaranteed base hit. But Dylan Brewer just has not been able to get anything going for the last couple of weeks. Uh, he popped it straight up in the air. And instead of getting that front foot down and getting some angle on that sucker, making sure that he could take it down the line on the ground, he he got lazy and uh, popped it up. So there's an out here, and Evan Stone is uh, trying, to, trying to get something going in a one-two count uh, with Tippett, this is generally about where you're going to see uh, Lampkin, the the lefty for A and M, kind of begin to wind his day down. Uh, now he gets stoned with a strikeout, but he's only at 62 pitches, so that, that somebody's going to have to to work some magic.
2: Hmm. Mm, you got to get uh, got to get something going. Got to get something yeah. going. That's uh, all. There is Clint asked, "Why
3: are we bunting down for uh Clint?" I, I think I did just answer that for you. First of all, he's been struggling at the plate. Okay, and a lot of a lot of the time, the way to get yourself going is to bunt, uh drop a bunt for a hit down somewhere. When you've got a lefty falling off and you got a lefty at the plate, you're going to have a big open hole over there. If you get it in there, uh number one, you're safe, and so is everybody else. But number two, a lot of times, that's really what will get you going. So. Uh, no problems at all with that decision. I'm not sure if it came from the dugout or if it was on his own. It's actually a smart thing to do, but you just got to get it executed. And, uh, and he didn't yeah, get he, it
2: done. Dylan beat one out yesterday. I, I think uh, I, maybe that was a slow roller. I don't remember. but uh, Or maybe it was maybe it was the Georgia game. But uh, So James had a question earlier, and, uh, and I, I think I'm understanding the question correctly. Um, the Supers are determined by seeding. Um, in other words, so if, if – and I, he was asking about SEC versus SEC. If Arkansas is the two and Carolina is the 15, it's just an all-SEC super if the Gamecocks win in advance. They'll, they'll go to Fayetteville. Um, they try to avoid those if at all possible, but I think with eight SEC teams hosting, that may be a little bit difficult. You're talking about they right also now? Kinda, yeah, yeah. They, if, if, that's, if that's the way it plays out. Uh, and I think that's what he uh, – I think that's what he was, was asking earlier.
3: The two fifty, if it played out the way it is now, they go to Gainesville if both Florida wins. Oh, okay, wins. Florida. Okay, yeah, Florida. Yeah, a so it, yeah, yeah, so
2: they they don't they don't reseed or anything like that. Now, if one of those teams gets upset, uh, obviously the, the the host in the first round usually is the one that gets the super um, bid, uh, mm-hmm. unless there's a conflict or something like that. So it's uh, it's one of those things that are that's going like that. Okay, recruiting news. Elijah Newby. Three-star linebacker from the state of Connecticut, uh, family in South Carolina. That's kind of a trend for a lot of these guys up there in the, the Northeast. Uh, He's set an official visit for uh, the 6th through the ninth. Um, that, that second – I think it's the second weekend uh, and all that. He's a teammate of uh, Elijah – I mean, sorry, of Dante Reno. Um, 6'3", 185, four stars by 24-7 Sports. Penn State, Stanford, Southern Cal, Kentucky, South Carolina. Uh, He's got visits to Penn State and Stanford coming up following his official visit with the Gamecocks. So I I think with Reno there and with family from South Carolina, the Gamecocks have a chance to sneak in there and beat the Nittany Lions on on one. And, you know, always, though, you know, uh, the Stanford pull is obviously for academics. They have a new coach out there, Mm -hmm. uh, replaced David Shaw. So I don't I don't know. How their recruiting buzz is at the moment. Um, but, uh, you know, good looking linebacker prospect with a lot of upside. I mean, you know, you, you kind of look at him and uh, Wendell Gregory and Pup Howard. I mean, all these guys are in like the 6'3 to 6'4 range. Uh, Clayton White likes length uh, at that linebacker spot. And like, you don't always have to have that length to be really good. But uh, it looks like Elijah Newby is one of those big, taller, longer guys. Uh, that could end up topping out about six three two 225, 230. Uh, those guys are monsters, especially if they can run. So looking forward, to, uh, if you're following linebacker recruiting with bated breath, and I know some of you are because uh, you you still don't think that position's good, and, you know, hey, it does have a lot to prove. Uh, here's another guy, Elijah Newby, uh, that sent an official visit uh, for the weekend of June 9th to South Carolina. Clayton White, Pete Limbo, recruiting this guy.
3: So, are, do they have officials set up for all four, the uh, first four weekends in June, Jason? I know they have three on the second three
2: of them. Yeah, okay. The second, the ninth, and then the twenty-third. So the sixteenth okay. is right. Uh, open right now. The ninth is uh, the ninth's Fill it up. I mean, you got two guys out of Georgia that they're battling Georgia for, and Justin Green, defensive lineman, Cameron McKell from Statesboro, uh, mm-hmm. is a player they love, a corner. Um, Malcolm Ziegler and Jarvis Boatwright are both from North Carolina. Ziegler is a four-star from Fuquay Varina, North Carolina. Uh, I love prospects that kind of come out of that part of North Carolina. You know, uh, you got Jarvis Boatwright from Clearwater, Florida, coming in that weekend, a high, uh, low four-star guy, Matthew Fuller, who I've mentioned here several times, the new running back prospect. Again, he's number two on the board, uh, Behind Daniel Hill, so it's not Anthony Carey. It's, it's this Matthew Fuller guy plays for J-Bo Shaw, um, and so that's kind of a, a interesting group of out of state guys coming in uh, that Friday. So that's uh, that's something to kind of keep an eye on.
3: Matthew Becker, by the way, in the ball game now to try to keep this thing right here at four to nothing and get some um, late magic uh, as a And M is probably set to go to their bullpen here shortly uh, in the ball game. Yeah, I, when you look back at 22, and Phil, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't think JC, I think he was out that day. Uh, 22 and 21, the the magic that Shane Beamer continued to pull off in June. Um, it's, it's hard to – everybody's expectations have now been set, guys, over the last couple of years. And so it's almost like if you get through the month of June and – you only get a, a couple of commitments. People are going to be wondering what's going on, J.C. We're going to have to find a way to reset expectations for everybody. It's not always like that, but sure has been the last couple of seasons.
2: Yeah, they, they do the work. They put it in, and Carolina's usually got 19, 20 commits. Uh, and I, but uh, I'll say this, a lot of schools do. You know, it, 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 There's not a lot of programs that are sitting there on 10 commits Nine commits heading into the season, unless they're strategically doing what happened, Phil.
1: I don't know. JB's a little ahead of us, but
3: uh, Becker struck out some uh, struck out the leadoff guy, and and Jonathan French just dropped the baseball. Oh, just catch the ball, just catch the ball. See, this is I was very,
1: very worried when I saw Messina was not starting today. I mean you, you it's know, like, it, I mean French has thrown out two out of eighteen base runners. Well, I, I don't even care about to that. steal, But I mean this right here, I mean that Yeah, I, If I there don't were care. runners on base, that's a pass ball. That's an error. That's your fault. I mean it's still be an error, it should be.
3: But it, it's it's all about how you handle a staff as a catcher. I mean, like there's there's only so many things in my life I know how to do better than teach and coach that position and and he he just isn't good and i'm just gonna be honest he's just not um he doesn't handle the staff well there's not a lot of there's i i would venture a guess here that if messina could go today jack mahoney'd still be in the ball game and i I can't say a&m wouldn't have scored I'm never going to say that but he'd still be in the ball game and it wouldn't be four to nothing um yeah. i there's just he he doesn't have a lot of connection back there with these guys. You know, you got to – there's a there's a sixth sense that you have with your staff, or you don't, and he doesn't. And, you know, your job, number one, as a catcher, is to catch the freaking baseball. You're down four to nothing in the fifth inning. You can't give them – a. you just can't give up like that. So that's that's just – it's where they are. It's where they are until Cole Messina can get back in there and catch. Jeez. Hmm. Uh, you hate it. Sorry, JC. Sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off there.
2: <laughs> oh, no, no. I, as people, I said so the, 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 the the two football debates on the Big Spur to this day, is like, oh, why why is uh, that it? Michael at that SEC podcast and his guest? Why are they now all of a sudden down on the Gamecocks? And, 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 and yeah, somebody's all like, because they hired Dowell Loggins. Yeah. Uh, no i mean you know uh, personnel losses yeah offensive line yeah running back situation that's fair but uh that that was doing fine i mean i i, I promise you that there's not going to be the same issues as last year i can't sit there and tell you he's a genius play caller at the college level cuz i haven't seen him do it mm-hmm. but ah uh, we'll see you know i <laughs> i have way more faith and confidence kind of figured out what he's all about and what he's doing and talking to people that know a hell of a lot more than than we do or y'all do, y'all meaning the fans uh, now that, that that I maybe did, you know. And of course, it's not a big name, but you know, names don't hire names; hire good coaches. You know, there were a lot of Will have hired a lot of great names
0: to sure. come in
2: here and coach a lot of them, and uh, and yeah. it, it, you know, blew up on him. So uh, Beamer, you know, every single freaking assistant hire he's made, people have at least half the fan base has groaned about it. Uh I don't know that I haven't been critical, but they've all worked out pretty doggone well. I mean, people people wanted uh, corey Robinson over uh you know, uh over Sterling Lucas because Sterling was in the NFL and hadn't recruited and Corey had recruited. Well <laughs> uh Sterling got Nick Harbor. You know, so did Jody Wright. You know, people wanted Tim Brewster because he's got this big long list of, of commits. So right. I'm uh I'm going to give Shane the benefit of the doubt on on this one with, uh, with regards to logins and and we'll see what happens. I think you guys would be pretty happy with it too.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's just a a, a dumb argument at this point to say anything negative about logins after your initial reactions are out uh, Mm -hmm. until you actually see him call the game. You just, you don't know. You have no idea. And it's like Brad was mentioning yesterday and we said it before on the show. It's like, Yeah, but his success or failures in the NFL, I'm like, A, he he was in the, what, the league for 20 years coaching? That's not a failure. (laughs) And, B, you know, same sport, totally different game between the two levels. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, same
2: sport, different game. And then I've – you know, there's red flags with a lot of NFL guys that, that come back. I mean, heck, there's red flags. Sometimes, guys, when you get a coach off the Saban tree, because of the way the, the way that they, they're able to do that at Alabama and now at Georgia, because especially on defense, because they've got such good athletes and, and they, so many cream of the crop guys, uh, and and they recruit when they evaluate they evaluate sort of the football IQ of these guys too, uh, and I'm not saying you know football IQ has nothing to do with intelligence like most your vast majority of really good prospects don't have it. But when you're taking the cream of the crop, you're taking the right five stars, not just any five stars, the right five stars, uh, you can be a little more complex, you know, and then with the way Saban teaches it and buys it. But look, think about that defense. Uh, You know, even Will Muschamp had a really elite defense with a lot of NFL players at Florida. That defense still busted a lot. You guys Mm -hmm. remember in – what what, what was the game? It was 2013. Florida almost upset Carolina that year. I think they finished 4 and eight. But he he had a stacked defense. And, you know, they were shutting the Gamecocks down pretty good, bottling up Connor Shaw, had a great game plan. All of a sudden, Sean Carson goes on a dive play, and he's still running. He's running all the way to the fairgrounds, past the Ferris wheel. He's getting some cotton candy. I mean, you know, and he didn't score. He got caught for five. But anyway, you see my point. That defense bust, look at how Jeremy Pruitt tried to do it at Tennessee. complete and utter failure. Uh, Florida State, the year they won the national title when Pruitt was the coordinator – they, they were really good on defense sometimes, but sometimes they weren't. Auburn lit them up in the championship game. So I just don't, uh, you know, I, I think that not just with NFL guys, but even with your more complex college systems, uh, you have to be careful. I mean, there's a reason Charlie Weiss, when he coached at Notre Dame, they always had pretty good offenses because they had, you know, Jimmy Clausen and Brady Quinn who could run it. Uh, one game I remember they started Demetrius Jones, and Georgia Tech beat him 36-3 to three in South Bend. Uh, and then you show that Weiss with different personnel uh, couldn't do it at Florida. And then he definitely couldn't do it at Kansas. So, And Charlie Weiss, anybody to tell you is a genius play caller. So a lot of it's like not so much how complex can you get, but uh, do you know where you're at and can you put your players – it's really simple. Can you put your players in position to succeed? And so there would be some red flags there if I weren't confident that Dalvalaga is going to be able to do it. Now, you know, he, he's probably going to need to be at least like, I mean, the hope is is he's at least like, I'm not going to even say Steve Spur, like Bobby Petrino, good as far as calling him, uh, and, and we'll see about that. I can't tell you that one way or the other, but uh, I can say that a lot of the problems that they had offensively last year are gone. They're in Lincoln, Nebraska right now.
3: Well, there's no question about that. And, you know, having just a handful of conversations with members of the Offense on the football team uh, give that away pretty quickly, and you know it's not just college kids making conversation. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty unbelievable to be honest with you, the fact that you it's got legit. To, yeah, it is. I mean i i have had a few of them where, and you just sit there and scratch your head. You know, you, you got a group of kids. They, they they're, they're not stupid. They get it. You know, they understood, you know, we don't know what we're doing here. We don't know why we're doing what we're doing. And now we do. (laughs) And it it took (laughs) only a couple of weeks for us to actually kind of figure out what our identity was going to be here. And it took us two years before this, which is amazing. So, you know, that is, uh, yeah, it's a 100 days, by the way. Until Gamecock football mm-hmm. kicks off in wow. Charlotte, 100 days
2: 100 from today, days. we'll get a chance
3: to see these conversations actually come
2: to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the uh, – oh, by the way, the other big debate is why Why are you scheduling in North Carolina? You need three cupcakes and and uh, Clemson. Well, I, you know, that's a philosophy to take, folks. Number one, the SEC's probably – you know, I think nine games is still on the table. Although eight's possible now. Uh, number two, look at the look around the SEC. Everybody's like, nobody else does this. That's not true. Look around the SEC. You know, Alabama and Georgia are scheduling up. There, there's one year where Notre Dame and Ohio State are Alabama's first two opponents. Okay, Georgia schedules Clemson and Florida State in the same year, and they still got Tech, who someday will be competitive at some point. It's gonna be
1: the year after Saban retires, right? You know, I mean,
2: they're they're uh, you know they're playing, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's and, and so, okay. So, well, they're not. Carolina's not Alabama and Georgia, you know, right now. Well, again, you set the schedule so many years in advance, you don't know what you're going to be. Number two, um, look around at Ole Miss, look around at Mississippi State. Well, they're look at Missouri. Missouri's not not sitting there going, "Oh God, we scheduled Kansas and Illinois. Why are we doing this?" Just like Carolina scheduled, NC State, North Carolina, and Virginia Tech and Miami. I mean, I just don't I, I, I don't get it sometimes. The, the schedule's kind of th- – this has kind of been the philosophy since the Spurrier era. Play Clemson, play one ACC-ish team that you feel good about beating, and then play an FCS and a group of five. I mean, that's uh, – the, the only program that's ducking non-conference competition is Kentucky. And that's because oh, they're fans. Good. They just want seven wins in a bowl. So if you want to be Kentucky, align with that philosophy, yeah. Uh, if not, don't be scared of playing NC State, North Carolina, and 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 play and the game in Atlanta. I guess Virginia Tech's huge for the school, huge. So, Absolutely,
3: anyway. and cannot wait for that as well. By the way, Jonathan French throws a runner out at second to end the inning here. Down five, nothing, and uh, uh, a brilliant. Brilliant call on him, a double steal, first and second, trying to swipe second and third. You're taught to always throw behind the runner. Uh, throw to the backside, throw to the back runner if you can, because they're the least to expect it, and they did, and they got him. Great tag by Tippett. So, Carolina going to look to scratch a couple and try to cut this lead down and uh, see what can happen late here.
1: Way to go, French.
2: You redeemed Renali yourself there, buddy.
3: Three for 19.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a throw, too. Although, if catcher's had an ERA, that one, that number five run is on him.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, yeah, Cam? yeah. Cam just has something interesting. Is there a shot down the road? Beamer gets hired away from Carolina about big money? No. Because Carolina, South Carolina, can match anybody in the country.
3: Yeah, I, I don't, I yeah. agree. Yeah, he's because uh, if,
2: if another school wants to hire, him, that means they're having great success at South Carolina. The yeah. the only thing I could ever think of, and, and I just knowing what Shane's all about and stuff, I just don't know that this would, this would ever happen. You know, the, but the only thing is, you know, what happens down the road, and again, money. I don't think Virginia Tech. Would have the money to go do it. But would there be a pull there uh, if he's extremely successful at South Carolina, gets the job done, so to speak?
3: I don't think there would be be a
2: pull. And I, I, yeah, and I, I, there's a lot of reasons why. Number one, you know, you don't follow in your dad's footsteps there. I mean, you, 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 you that's a lot to live up to, you know, even though he is a proud Virginia Tech grad and hokey for life and all that. I, I just, I don't see it. You know, it would probably take a place like, I mean, it would just take a – I just don't know. I don't know who um, would, would be able to compete, you know, given his love for South Carolina and the comfort level he has here, if he builds it to where he gets those kinds of opportunities. I, I don't know who would do it. Now, I will say this. He's not against the NFL, you know, and I think it's way, 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 way too soon to start talking about him taking an NFL job or something like that. But he's always kind of, you know, since I've known him at least – he goes and visits with NFL franchises and stuff. You know, uh, for some reason it's worked out where he's got a lot of NFL guys with experience on his coaching staff. So, you know, that's always something to kind of consider. Every college coach that starts winning gets nibbles from the league. But I just I – just, I don't see Shane Beamer, as long as he's winning, going anywhere. I think, you know, South Carolina's got their guy. So, yeah, Cam says Purdue's fan base was pulling for him. Yeah, the day Purdue hires a coach away from South Carolina that's not from Purdue – is the day I'll eat my hat. Uh, or this this poof of ball hair that I have going on today. I'll cut it off, put a little barbecue sauce on it, some of my zippies that and uh, eat it. Yeah. I mean, there's just that Purdue such a bad job. <laughs> you know, Brahm won the division finally and he was like, "All right, I'm going go to ta- I'm going go home to Louisville." I buy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right back in. And, and, and Jeff Brahm's a Louisville grad and knew the dysfunction of that athletic department. Do it but couldn't get out of West Lafayette, Indiana fast enough. You know who else couldn't get out of West Lafayette, Indiana fast enough? And I'll close with this. Axel Rose <laughs> and Izzy Stradlin. Both those, both both two founding members of Guns N' Roses from West, West Lafayette, Indiana. And I see why they got on a bus and went to L.A. and decided to start a band. I've been through there a few times, folks. It's not pretty. <laughs>
1: And on that...
3: <laughs> well,
2: and that
1: we
3: sums it up for your up. Thursday afternoon <laughs> thoughts on Purdue here on yeah. Inside the Gamecocks, the show. That's right. Quantrill says, yeah, not they, come have a, up. they have a... You're not get
2: that the it seems like Big Jim or something. I don't know. The Purdue mascot? Yeah, that
1: guy's an idiot. Quantrill's right, man. He's got that giant... He's one of those giant, overblown human faces mascots. I don't know what you call that, but yeah, he's a weird as, dude. It's not as weird as the
2: the the, the, the tweaking tiger, Clemson. The oh, copy yeah, well, of the copy of a copy. That's, that's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> take all be take the LSU mascot, the Princeton mascot, all that. Just keep copying them, and you'll get the Clemson mascot.
1: Ice tiger. It's <laughs> <laughs> very appropriate for out there well the, yeah. BRC. Our we'll
2: store. have a two hour show tomorrow. BRC. We'll get back. Yeah, we we'll be back, back tomorrow. It's just its point, you know. You guys are loyal, but I mean, we don't we don't draw that big of a crowd when there's a game going on. Purdue Pete, that's what it's Purdue Pete. Er, Pete even yeah. even weirder.
1: <laughs> Looks like he's got a giant pear on his chin. Uh,
3: we'll come up with something to talk about Hawaii or something tomorrow. Y'all are probably <laughs> sick of the Purdue stuff. We'll we'll go to Idaho, give you some inside <clears> info <throat> on their Vandals program.
1: Vandals. Uh, <laughs>
2: A lot of killings going on in Idaho
1: right now. Oh, easy. You
2: got the valo thing. You got the. Mm. Anyway, all
3: right. We are out of time. Painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Let me paint something. Dot com. Carolina looking to try to get on the board here in the six. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, at eleven, right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barno Company, and of course, live from the Cinerama Studios.